Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Ask BBB. A program that gives consumers information from businesses they can trust. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and the president of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Every day at the offices of the Better Business Bureau Serving Western Ontario, we receive calls and email inquiries about businesses. In fact, we receive over a million uh, emails a year. As well, consumers seeking information about businesses before they engage a service or buy a product search the BBB business directory thousands of times. And as we move into the summer months, we see an increase in the number of inquiries for painters. And another service and product area that is receiving consumer attention right now is garage door openers and garage doors. So this morning, we'll bring you information to help you choose a painter. And explore things we need to know about the garage door that opens at the push of a button. How many times a year do you think you open and shut your garage door? Stay tuned. That's one of the questions we'll answer later on the program. And we're now at the end of the first week of June. And just in case you didn't know, June is Seniors Month. It's time to celebrate seniors and to raise awareness of the contributions seniors make in the community. Staying independent in their own home is the hope and aim of most seniors. And this morning, we'll bring you tips on choosing caregivers that help meet that goal. And that's later on Ask BBB. We mentioned that BBB receives thousands of inquiries about painters as the summer months begin. So this morning, we welcome Paul Gannett, owner of Serta Pro Painters in London, to bring us some insight into choosing a painter. Welcome to Ask BBB, Paul. Good morning. Thank you. Paul, is summer a busier time for painters? Without question. Um, I think the warm weather comes and people start thinking about what they need to do to to freshen up their homes. So we are considerably busier. So this is the time of year we can do exterior painting. What are the signs that we should consider having our exterior painted? There tends to be really two reasons why people would approach us for exterior painting. Uh, the first could be just from a, an aesthetics perspective that they're grown tired of the color. Uh, perhaps they have that brick house that 40 years ago, the red brick was beautiful, um, but they've had enough of that and they're looking to change it up. So that would be the first reason, but that's probably the smaller proportion. I'd say fully 75% of the people that contact us are contacting us for maintenance reasons. So either their paint is peeling or chipping or cracking uh, or what have you, and, and they recognize that they need to Um, get a good strong coating on there to protect it from the elements. Should you wait until you see those cracks and peels and that sort of evidence, or is there a timetable that you should follow in terms of how often you you repaint that exterior? I think it is human nature to wait until you see those visible signs, (laughs) but without question, we really encourage people to adopt an ongoing maintenance program where you stay on top of it so that wood rot can't settle in, for example. Uh, what are the choices that a homemaker will be faced with when it comes to, to painting? Well, I, I think you have a, a bunch of uh, choices to make. One is um, which painting contractor are you going to choose? Um, once you've made that decision, um, it's everything from colors to sheens to uh, how big an area you're looking to, to paint. Uh, a lot of customers choose to chunk it up a little bit and do it over a series of, uh, of years. Um, there's a whole variety of things that uh, we need to address with the customer. 
Is it wise to get more than one estimate for the work we want done? And if we do, how do we compare those estimates? I think it all comes down to the relationship you have with your, not just your painting contractor, but any contractor. If it's somebody that you've used over and over and over again, and you know that you get really good value from it, then you may not choose to get a second uh, quote. And that happens in many of the cases with with our customers. Uh, But certainly if you haven't used them before, uh, it's a really good idea to get two or three quotes just so you can compare them. And how do you compare those quotes? What are the things that you look for within the quote to know that you're actually comparing oranges to oranges and bananas to bananas? It can be challenging for sure. So without question, you would want a legitimate painting contractor, somebody that has uh, workers' compensation protection as well as liability insurance, and they should prove that to you. They should have documentation to demonstrate they have that um, you would want a written quotation from the from each of the painting contractors. Uh, unfortunately, in our industry, there's still the back of the business card, you know, $1,500 complete. And what does complete mean? Uh, what exactly is getting painted? How many coats? What kind of prep can you expect? Um, it goes on and on. So, so a written quotation is absolutely critical and a written warranty. Uh, anybody can say, yep, uh, we'll warranty that, but let's see it in writing. That uh, Are there any limitations? Are there any exclusions? What do professionals like Serta Pro do that makes the end result superior to what a do-it-yourselfer gets? You know, Linda, what we tend to find happens with people is when they are uh, younger, they're more than happy to tackle their own painting projects, and they probably have relatively low expectations of themselves. As people get older, it really comes down to two things. One is time. Um, if you're not a professional painter, you could chew up weekend upon weekend and evening upon evening uh, getting the work done. And if you're busy with kids or just other interests, um, you may not want to dedicate that kind of time. The other is the quality. As uh, we, we all have pride in our homes and what we tend to find happens is once somebody uses us for the first time, they never paint again because they realize um, just how much time it saved and the, the, the end result. I can testify to that because I, I did myself a number of times and after the professional, I can't believe the difference in the quality of the job. And I keep looking at it and going, what did he do that I didn't? But uh, obviously there are some good reasons to have a professional. Uh, you mentioned guarantee. What, what should we expect of a guarantee? You know what? I, I think you want somebody that's going to stand behind their uh, their work. The paint manufacturers all provide lifetime guarantees on their on their product for the most part, with some exclusions. But paint is such a small proportion of the project. The real cost is in the labor. So you need that painting contractor that is going to come back and within whatever time period they have stipulated, stand behind their work and say, you know what? Yep, something happened here, and and we're going to make it right. And that's certainly what uh, what we do. Thankfully, we don't get very many warranty calls, but we actually proactively reach out to our customers um, when the the two year time period is is coming up uh, to say, "Hey, just want to touch base, make sure that everything uh, uh, still looks good." And if there are any issues, we go back and touch it up. Well, you've uh, given us a lot of information in a very short period of time, Paul, and all we got was the outside of the house uh, painted, so we'll have to have you back so we can go inside and talk about some of the issues that might uh, arise uh, with an interior painting job. I'd love to come back. Thank you. Our guest has been Paul Gannett, who is owner of Serta Pro Painters in London and an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating. We'll be back in a moment to open the topic of garage doors. 
Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Linda Smith, CEO of the Better Business Bureau Serving Western Ontario. And now we welcome Todd Riddler, owner of Western Overhead Doors, Inc., to the radio show. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. Todd, at the beginning of the program, we challenged our listeners to estimate how many times they open and shut their garage door each year. Do you think people overestimate or underestimate that number? I would say that the average person has no idea how often their garage door opens and closes in one year. The average person has no idea even where their key is to their front door. Really? Okay, so how many times does that garage door on the average get opened in a year? On average, regular small family with one child, mom and dad at home, both working, probably 1,500 to 2,000 times a year. Wow. And that is a lot of wear and tear on, on the door itself. Then. It's a tremendous amount of wear and tear on a door, especially in southwestern Ontario where we have harsh winters. People just don't understand the moisture that's created in the garage and how often things need to be oiled and lubricated. Hmm. How long should we expect that garage door and the garage door opener to last, Todd? A garage door, if you're buying a new garage door, you should get you know, 15, 20 years out of it as long as you have no hockey pucks being shot at the door <laughs> or you have no young teenagers learning how to drive. But mm-hmm. uh, a good insulated steel door, which is what 90% of the doors are in the market nowadays, you're going to get at least 15 to 20 years out of them. Most manufacturers do offer a lifetime warranty on sections and three to five years on hardware depending on the manufacturer. So you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago about the harsher climate in Western Ontario. Um, and you just sort of mentioned a few of the things we might be doing. What should we do, be doing specifically to maintain our garage door and the pieces associated with it? The biggest, the biggest problem we, we have is the moisture in the garage created from the salt and the snow that melts off the door once you park that car in the garage in the wintertime. And all that moisture runs to the front of your garage door opening naturally because of the slope on the concrete floor. So you have all that water that's sitting around the bottom fixtures, which creates rusting of garage door cables. And once those cables rust out, then you have a big problem. And also the springs, the springs will break um, quicker if they're not lubricated because they do get a surface rust on them that's created from all the moisture in the garage. Can we do that ourselves or should we be calling an expert? Anybody can service a garage door as far as oil and lubricating. If a spring is getting weak, getting ready to break, you should definitely call a professional. It's a very dangerous job. Are there parts of the actual garage door, like the weather stripping, uh, that should be replaced when we start to run into those moisture problems? Weather stripping, generally speaking, is going to be good for the duration of your door depending on things like exposure to the sun. Um, We find like the sun's getting harder and harder on outside products such as vinyl. And most weather strip nowadays has some sort of vinyl parts to it, whether it's the fin, the retainer. Um, the bottom rubber is can get brittle depending on kind of exposure to salt and sand that it gets. So um, weather stripping is one of those things. It all depends on the application, how people are using it, how often they're um, – is- is that something a, a company like yours would come oh, and replace? Oh, by all means. Weather stripping definitely is a pretty easy, easy, cheap fix for people. Well, you mentioned the moisture at the bottom. Yes. My garage door is, is rusting at the bottom. Can That's you right. just replace one panel like that? Or? You can replace the panel depending on the manufacturer and whether that manufacturer still has that product available in their lineup. And garage door openers have advanced along with all technology in the past decade. What are some of the features we now have available to us? 
The newest garage door openers on the market, um, you're going to find all the really good garage door openers are going to be DC-powered. DC-powered is more efficient to run, cheaper to run, smoother on the door, easier on the door, and also are all Wi-Fi enabled. Wi-Fi is a huge, Hmm. huge player now in garage door openers where everybody wants the app on their phone. They want to know who's come home. They want to know when they come home. They want to know if they left the door open. And they can do that all from their phone, whether they're downtown London having lunch or, you know, in Florida on holidays. They can let people in. They can see if someone has been there or if the door is left open. Is that something that can be retrofitted, Todd? Yes, you you can add um, a few few parts to your existing garage door opener. We find, though, anything that's over 10 years old, you're farther ahead just to go ahead and get a new garage door opener because they're all enabled now with those options. Are there things we should be prepared for in case of a garage door opener failing or in the case of a power failure? Every garage door opener on the market, you will have a manual disconnect. So as long as you're checking your opener every six months, disconnecting it, making sure it's working fine by hand, um, you can always get out. All the new garage door openers, though, are all battery backup. So if it's a DC-powered garage door opener, it will be battery backup enabled, and you will be able to open your door when the neighbor can't, as long as you have a battery backup. Todd, uh, we know that your company is uh, has an A-plus rating with BBB yes. and is accredited. Uh, what are some of the things we should just kind of uh, be aware of when we call somebody to uh, deal with a garage door? The first thing you want to be aware of nowadays with the internet being so strong and so important with the way people shop, you really need to make sure the company that you are calling actually has a warehouse, an office, has WSIB has, you know, insurance, has people that have been trained at working at heights because that's another thing that people have to have in our industry. You have to be trained by the government to work at heights. Mm-hmm. You should make sure they're accredited by the BBB. That way you know you're getting a good company. And, and that there's more than a website there. That's right. That's right because the website can make so many companies look like they're a very large company where a lot of times they're just operating out of a house. Todd, thank you very much for uh, this informative session today and for being with us on Ask BBB. Oh, and thank you. Our guest has been Todd Riddler, who is the owner of uh, Western Overhead Doors, Inc., an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating. And we're going to take a break. When we return, tips on choosing a caregiver. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and the president of BBB Serving Western Ontario. June is marked as Seniors Month. Most seniors wish to stay in their own home and remain independent as long as they can. That could mean one partner or a family member will become a caregiver. In addition to a directory of trusted businesses, the BBB website is a source of information for many of the things that we encounter in day-to-day living and in special circumstances. If you find yourself taking on the role of caregiver, no matter if it is a long-term or short-term commitment, you have to be conscious of the care receiver's well-being and your own. You'll find information on the Better Business Bureau website that will give you helpful tips and plenty of resources. And Linda, I see that the first topic addressed on the website is how to approach a loved one about care needs. Yes, predetermine what care will be needed and have a plan prepared for how it will be carried out. Having all of the information in a plan will ease anxiety for all those involved in the scenario. Choose a relaxed time to bring up the topic with the care receiver. Bringing it up during an already anxious, stressful, or difficult time will not bring good results. 
lead in, lead in with the question of the loved one's preferences for care. Make sure the care receiver understands that their wishes will be honored in regards to health care, finances, etc. Well, this might be a situation that's faced by a married couple when one of them needs extra care, and I can, I can see where a loving partner might try to go it alone. Well, the advice is to have family support in the conversation. When caring for someone, you will need support. You need to support. So make sure to bring that support in right from the beginning. A lot of us older people don't like to ask for help, to be a burden, as so often said. And if our partner, or in the case of a son or a daughter, is told that uh, they don't need any help, we might just give up. So don't be quick to give up. Resistance from a care receiver is to be expected. Many times it's kind of this kind of change will make the care receiver feel as though they're losing some of their independence. Only push things so far during the initial conversations, but do not give up after the first try. So that's an indication that arranging or managing caregiving is a process uh, with many several steps to take to put it in place. In fact, the guide on the Better Business Bureau website outlines five steps for new caregivers. First, start with the diagnosis. Learn as much as you can about the care receiver's diagnosis, the medical process for it, and try to plan ahead as reasonably and realistically as possible. Second, discuss finances and health care wishes. Make sure to complete durable power of attorney for both finances and health care. There is a link on the website that will bring you more information on how to go about arranging a power of attorney. Also, take into account your personal finances. Informal caregivers personally lose about $659,000 over a lifetime from loss of income, loss of medical benefits, and shrinking of savings and their personal retirement. The third step is to bring other family and close friends into the discussion. Keep everyone who is involved as informed about the diagnosis and the care needs to ensure consistent care. Fourth step, take advantage of community programs. Meals on Wheels and adult day programs are just the beginning of the many things there are for seniors to do on a daily basis. Check out our Seniors Trips and Activities section for more information. And the fifth of the five steps recommended on the Better Business Bureau website is to find support. Do not become isolated. Commonly, those taking on this type of responsibility leave a social life behind. Join online and in-person groups that will help you to connect with others in your circumstances. Linda, those five steps are really helpful and, and I think good things to keep in mind. But in my mind, it seems like it might all be pretty stressful. That is recognized by everyone, and so there are some suggestions to help reduce the stress of caregiving. More than one-third of caregivers continue to provide intense care to others while suffering from poor health themselves. Taking care of someone who is aged, chronically ill, or living with a progressive and degenerative disease is exhausting, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Nothing will make it easy, but there are three things you can do to make it a little less stressful. First, set boundaries. Know your limits. Be sure to share them with others so they can help pick up the slack. Ask for and accept help. 
We don't want to be a burden to others, so we try to do everything ourselves. But refusing to take help from others will result in caregiver burnout. That is not ideal for yourself or for whomever you're taking care of. And set aside some time for yourself every day. If there's an activity that provides you a little pleasure, make it a priority. Let everyone know this is your time and you do not want to be disturbed. Taking care of yourself is not selfish. It could end up being one of the kindest and most generous things you will ever do for your care receiver as well. Linda, when when I think about that taking care of yourself, I always think of the aircraft and how they tell you when the mask drops, make sure that you have it on first before you try to take care of someone else. And and I guess that applies in this case as well. It's a great example. Great. Linda, that's about all the time we have for today. So we want to thank the folks out there for spending some of their day with us here on Ask BBB. Remember, you can always ask BBB. Visit our website at bbb.org. And you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT. If you have a question or guest suggestions, tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. Interested in becoming a BBB-accredited business? Call us or go online to bbb.org backslash western-ontario and become part of one of the largest business networks in North America. So until next time, I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Remember, ask BBB. And start with trust.